the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferrets Tove, financial literacy educator and speaker, entrepreneur, and chairman of the board of a bank in formation. Take charge of your financial future with Your Personal Bank. Now here's Ferrets Tove. Welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show. Well, it's no secret. We've been sharing this for a while. Our inflation, uh, inflation uh, our economy sucks, okay? It's just bad. I know we're trying hearing things from the administration and we're hearing things from, um, you know, media, legacy media in particular. They're trying to like, well, they're trying to protect their jobs, right? It's, it's just that simple. Um, they're trying to happy talk their way through a horrible and a horrible economy. And, you know, the thing is, they caught most of their, uh, well, most of their policies have caused it. Certainly, their, their policies have been directly impacting inflation. There's no, there, any reasonable person understands that. Any person with any common sense and, and, and some, just a tiny bit of intellectual honesty knows that, you know, reducing energy supplies is going to create, cause inflation. And printing more money than we've ever seen in the history of man is going to cause inflation. We have a Federal Reserve who's increasing uh, interest rates, the fastest rates we've ever seen in 40 plus years, for valid, you know, valid reasons why they're doing it. They're just doing it at least a year late. Actually, they're increasing interest rates several years too late because the Federal Reserve, through political act, you know, political influence, let's be honest, um, kept in, you know, kept interest rates artificially low for a decade. I mean, frankly, you know, they dropped them in 0809. They got overzealous there. They should have then, in a year or two after that, started slowly inching them back up. But no, they had to keep them at historical artificial lows, which created a a stock market bubble, certainly, no question there, because since the first of this year, we've seen the first, the worst stock market the first half of 2020 and since 1950. Folks, that's 70 years, okay? The worst stock market, first half of the year at least, in se- over 70 years. I mean, that's horrible, okay? Um, the housing market, there's a lot of other issues going on there, but it certainly is a mess. It's not healthy, I mean, the prices have gone through the roof. There's shortages of housing. I mean, all kinds of just just a mess, okay? And we have people out there like a George Soros. I mean, I have to admit, I'm half Hungarian. I've shared that story. And, you know, my, my dad escaped uh, from the Soviets in 56. I was born here, I'm, you know. But, uh, you know, he's a Hungarian. I'm embarrassed to admit the fact. Uh, I, you know... That's the type of person that I believe, you know, where he's supporting, you know, uh, uh, prosecutors that let off people who com- commit crimes, murderers, everything else. I mean, I- I'm sorry, folks, that's just pure evil. It's nothing beyond that. 
and 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 he's just an evil person and i i wonder where you know there's so many people that are willing to go along with that kind of thing and go along with so many so much corruption which is also another form of evil i mean that's what we're dealing with here in a lot of ways um I don't know where they found all these people from. I mean, we—it's like they've been coming out of the wood woodwork, particularly in the last couple of years. I, I don't know about you. I mean, maybe maybe these, a lot of these people were out there and doing things. I just maybe I wasn't paying that much attention to what was going on, or maybe they were more behind the scenes and now they're out in front because they found themselves in power suddenly and unexpectedly, you know, by gaining the no, but they didn't. The Democrats didn't expect to gain the Senate, but even I remember even not too long ago talking to a friend of mine and he was really radically against the Democrats. And I was you know, moderately against it because mostly because of uh, fiscal reasons. But he goes, he said to me, and this is a couple, three years ago, he goes, parents, they're not they're not, you know, uh, you know, the Democrat, they're not the same Democratic parties they were even 10 years ago. The, this radical left element. It just seemed to take power and control. And there's a, they're still very much in a minority, even in that party. Yet they just dominate. It's, 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 I lack the words to understand why. Why the Dem, even the Democratic Party allows their leadership in the House is from Pelosi's from San Francisco, one of the most liberal parts of the country. Uh, Schumer is from New York, also know one of the most liberal parts of the country. Why the why the far left radicals of even that party are so dominant? I mean, where's the moderates? I mean, there used to be the blue dog Democrats, right? Or the they were known as the moderate wing of the party, right? You know, a, a John F. Kennedy would be. A conservative today, you know, it's just, it's, it's shocking. It's, it's truly shocking. And, and maybe it's one of those situations I've shared this with so many, so many times with so many people, maybe, maybe it's just part of that pendulum shift that has to happen. And then the things shift back, you know, it, it certainly has woken a lot of people up like myself. And that's where the hope is. We have an election, a midterm election in November. It's coming up. And thankfully, uh, I, if you listen to last week's show, you know how frustrated I was, you know, about our federal government proposing another new tax on top of everything else, all the other spending they've done, the inflation they've created, the recession they've created. And I, maybe this is what, you know, what our country needs to wake up and have a have a renaissance of freedom. And that's the thing I pin my hopes on is the American people, or not all of them, I get it, but the majority, 51%, right? That's all it takes. 51% recognize that this country, well, I've seen study, polls showing somewhere over 80% of Americans, all Americans, believe and feel this country's going the wrong direction. So that those kinds of things truly give me hope for the future. It's the American public, the American people, that... I believe, will stand up and take back control, take back charge of this country. We've been in worse positions. We've been in worse situations. We've had a Great Depression. We came through that stronger. We had a civil war, even, 
and we came through that stronger and better. I believe we'll come, I don't want to bet against America. And mostly it's not even so much that I don't want to bet against America. I don't want to bet against Americans. And I'm not talking about the radical, crazy, you know, out far out there people. I'm talking about the average everyday American. I like to, I like to count myself as one of those. We're just, you know, we just want to raise our families, live our lives, build our business or career. We want to retire. We want to live peacefully and comfortable. You know what we want? It's really simple. I've shared this before. And if anyone in Washington, this is what's so ironic, would actually listen to this, they would probably become a, a cult hero, okay, if you will. But we just want to be left alone. Does that resonate with anyone? Is anyone else out there sick and tired of people who have no business, no understanding of your life whatsoever, no right, frankly, to tell you what to do, trying to tell you how to live your life. <laughs> Is that, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? I don't know about you, but I'm sick of it. I'm sick of a lot of things right now. And I think it's that, that you know, it, it's kind of like, I'm just done with you telling me how to live my life. I'm, I am unapologetically politically incorrect. Now, I have been one of those from the beginning. I mean, once they did those COVID shutdowns, I was it. I was done then. A lot more people have joined me since, and I really, really appreciate that. I've had a lot of encouragement about that, and more and more have come to realize that, you know, being politically correct doesn't get you anywhere, does you no good, and it's not, you're not being true to yourself. Sharing who you are, what you believe. Now, I have strengthened my convictions. I've been blessed with an ability to communicate. I've been given a, a platform to speak. I, I haven't been, nobody's told me what to say or do or not to say or what to do. So I truly been blessed in that area. I appreciate that. I understand that not everybody has that. But at the same time, being true to yourself, I think is very, very valuable. I mean, the LGBTQ, XYZ, whatever the heck they call themselves community, they're all about being themselves and true to themselves. Well, you know what? I'm a red-blooded American, first generation, and proud of it. I served in the military partially to support our pre freedoms. Guess what? I'm proud of it, okay? I'm, I'm a conservative, socially conservative. I'm a fiscal conservative. I'm very proud of it. I'm a Christian, and I, you know, I'm proud of that too. In other words, and I'm a family man. I have a wife of you know, over 20 years. I'm proud of all those things, and I'm unapologetic about it. And, uh, you know, if somebody doesn't respect that or doesn't appreciate that, you know what? They, they have, it's, they're free to disagree, but they're not going to change my mind or my attitude in one way, one iota, because I know I'm doing what's right for me. I'm being true to myself based on what how I've been brought up and what I believe, okay? And thankfully— more and more people are realizing that and recognizing that that's the freedoms that we enjoy. Okay. You know, we, we have to, we have to fight for them sometimes, but that's what makes us, that's what makes us uh, great as a country and as individuals and, and, and as people, because we can live the life we want to live. We have the opportunity. We're the land of opportunity. Still. I understand things have gotten more challenging recently. And like I said, I always tell people, look, if you want to learn how to, 
you know, gain control of your money and reduce taxes and reduce market risk and how to grow your money more efficiently and get positive arbitrage and be able to accomplish more opportunities. Look, take it, you know, then contact me at yourpersonalbank.com because I can show you how to do all those things. I'm doing them myself as we speak. Okay. I'm living, I'm living how I, I'm living what I preach, right? I've lived it. Then they're done that. My point is simple. Even in economic, in fact, in economic upheaval, which we're clearly in, oftentimes that's where more opportunities present themselves. I mean, if, as bad as things are, whether it's the markets or, 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 or whatever, you know, opportunities will present themselves, but you have to be in a position to be able to take advantage of those. You know, if you just, for example, ride the market up and then ride it down, you're not giving yourself the opportunity to be able to take advantage of, of, of a situation where you see a stock and a, a price that you, you haven't seen in years and you just know that you, that's an opportunity you can't pass up or a piece of real estate or whatever that asset may be. It doesn't matter. My point is you have to be in a position to be able to do that. Your personal bank will help you do that. It'll help you accomplish that. So you can really, that's where wealth is built, folks. You can take advantage of opportunities when they present themselves. Your personal bank is one of those keys to be able to accomplish that. Not just do what everyone else does. You have to follow a different path. Stay tuned. I'm going to share more about these kind of things and these ideas. So don't miss it. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. And I want to continue on this thought I was sharing at the end of the last segment. And I I think I, I one of the things that I believe I found so appealing to the personal bank concept was it was not the same as everything else. In other words, your typical entrepreneur doesn't follow the path. I mean, and I'm not saying it's, it's the wrong thing to do, but you know, let's face it. What do the majority of folks do in their career? You know, they go to college, whatever, they get some kind of degree, then they get, uh, get, you know, some, level of expertise in, in an area, in a field, right? Then they get a job in that arena and then work in a career and build and work their way up in the career and hopefully do well enough and that they either get some kind of, you know, these days build up a 401k or uh, put some money away for the future and retire. And, and, and again, that's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, not against that. And I've seen a lot of people do fine, but you're, you're, I can say, say to this, your typical entrepreneur, and that, you know, that's somebody who basically doesn't have a, have a W-2 paycheck that's more or less the same every two weeks, okay? That's somebody whose income varies. A lot of the times their income is based upon their energies, their efforts, their effectiveness, how good they are, they are at what they do. Um, and a lot of it is how well they communicate, clearly. Uh, it's true for a career, of course. I mean, communication, as you many of you know, is probably one of the biggest keys to success in anything that you do. Um, I know I, I find it funny sometimes where I'll talk to somebody who's, you know, oftentimes more of an engineer type or more more analytical type of person. They'll say, I'm not a salesperson. I'm like, yeah, you are. Uh, everyone is. If you are successful at any degree, 
because if nothing else, you had to sell yourself to uh, get hired, let's say, right? Or, or get a promotion or move your, move your up the ladder or build your business or whatever it is you did. You had to, you had to either sell yourself or whatever it is you are, uh, you're, you're generating, producing, whatever, right? So communication is a big key. But uh, what I found is a lot of people who have been really successful oftentimes took the path of less, the, took the lesser traveled path. In other words, I, I did a study. This was an informal one, of course, but I found this was very interesting. So my very first year in the financial industry. So we're going back 23 years now, I believe. So I'm like in my 20s, late 20s, I guess. Um, something like that anyway. And so, you know, I'm new, I'm young, wet behind the ears. And I'm, I, at the time I was doing, uh, retirement planning and annuities and various things predominantly for retired folks. So, you know, I was basically age and they said that to me, I was the age of their grandkids in most cases. Right. And what was interesting about particularly that first year when I was young and new and was I, I did one, I asked one question that I found later was very, very intelligent. I didn't even realize it at the time how important it was. But whenever I met with a retiree, usually a couple, um, not always, but typically, and I then do, had done well, you know, I didn't ask everybody this question, but if they'd done well, I'm dealing with their finances. I always tell people, look, I'm dealing with folks, state, I'm looking at statements, I'm looking at tax returns. It's kind of hard to, to lie, right? Anyway, so they genuinely had done well. They had a good, comfortable retirement. Some were wealthy, you know, various things. But if they'd done well, I, I, I asked them. And I asked them, you know, if you don't mind my asking, I'm young. I'm getting started in my career, obviously. Uh, what did you do? What would If you were going to give somebody like myself a piece of advice, you've done well. If I want to get to where you're going, what would you recommend? And it was, it was really, in, you know, I would, what would you recommend? How did you get there? You know, share some advice. And it was overwhelming. It was interesting how so many of them talked about they had built some kind of business. Okay. Uh, the vast majority. And they took on some risk. Um, they didn't borrow money they couldn't afford to borrow. See that... If, if they couldn't afford to pay for it, they didn't buy it. That was another big thing. Uh, I had a good chunk of them in, in real estate investors too, rental properties in particular, long-term, buy and holds, cash flow, right? And then and then there was a small, smaller percentage who, like I said, worked a career and invested in the markets and and had done, you know, done well through 401ks and things like that, primarily. The thing is. And when it gets back to the debt thing, that's probably one of the biggest misunderstandings I run into frequently. In fact, I spoke to a group in here recently in Golden, Colorado, and I was sharing, investor group, and I was sharing with them this very thing is one of the number one misunderstandings or misconceptions I get with a personal bank concept. You know, we share all the time, we're going to, um, you know, set up a policy to earn dividends, to earn the money, let it grow. People get that. And of course, you leave it there and let it grow, which you can do, it can Passively just grow, guaranteed, insured, tax-free every year. You know, it's five seven five dividends right now, and they're going up as we, you know because of interest rates going up. So it's just going to get better. But then when I talk about borrow accessing the money using a bank line of credit, 
and when you earn more than you're getting charged, you keep the difference of the positive arbitrage. The number one misconception I get is people say, I don't want to borrow money because they get hammered in their, you know, we get hammered in our head our whole lives almost, you know, borrowing is bad. And that's one of the things I was sharing with these people who are successful. It's not that they didn't borrow money. In fact, many of them purchased, uh, you know, rental real estate, for example, and had mortgages on them, right? So that means they borrowed money, but it was, they strategically borrowed money. The renter paid the mortgage, right? Pay, they didn't pay it out of pocket. It was paid for by the renter as they were the owner, the landlord, right? So in other words, they understood strategic debt. Look, I, I'm in complete agreement about consumer debt, especially now with inflation. My gosh, if you've got some debt where you have to work to pay it off, you really want to do everything you can to get rid of that. And you want to get rid of that as soon as possible because that will drag you down. And it can really hurt you because if you can't make those payments due to a reduction of income, business losses, health issue, whatever, and when the economy's bad, more of those bad things happen. That's, that's statistically true. You know, you can get you can get in a real bind. Now, I also want you to understand your personal bank can actually help reduce your cost of borrowing because of the positive arbitrage. So I can help you get out of that debt. If you happen to have some consumer debt, we can help you get out of that quicker. So if that's your situation, by all means, contact me at yourpersonalbank.com. I can help you with that. But you got to understand if you're going to be successful financially, you, you know, there's a lot of, how should I say, a lot of emotional angst sometimes about debt and money and emotional uh, feelings that people have. But again, the difference is, and it's in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, in fact, Robert Kiyosaki talks about this very thing is, does it feed you or does it eat you? In other words, is the debt being paid by somebody else's efforts? or your efforts. And it, that's the difference. That's what you understand. It's so when you borrow money from a bank line using the cash and the policies collateral, it's the insurance company, the dividends, the insurance company that's paying your debt for you. And you're actually keeping the difference. So you're really, it's a strategic debt. Yes, you have debt, but you're not paying for it. Someone else is. So that is a smart use of money and debt. Contact me at yourpersonalbank.com for more information. I can share with you how this can work for you and this positive arbitrage, which is only increasing because dividends are going up with increasing interest rates. Stay tuned in the next segment. I'm going to share some more thoughts that I think you'll find very valuable. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. And you know, before I forget, I've been sharing some a number of thoughts on the economy and just some bigger picture items here, which I like to do on the second show of the week. But there's one one thing I do need to bring up before I forget. I, I don't want to pass this by. Many of you have been listening to the show, you know. I've interviewed Blake Masters a couple of times. He's U.S. Uh, he's the uh, candidate, Republican candidate for U.S. Senate Senate for Arizona, and uh, he's the front runner at this point. Looks like he's probably going to win the primary, which occurs in, uh, it, well, yeah, gosh, coming up here. Um, anyway, it looks very favorable. I'll put it that way. 
and he, he wins the primary course. He'll be, uh, in fact, by the time you listen to this, it may, depending on when you listen to this, because it airs on different stations at different times, uh, the primaries may be over. So I apologize about that. But the reality is, it uh, looks like he's going to be the Republican candidate, which means he'll be running against Mark Kelly, Democrat, which has, he has the most liberal voting record in the U.S. Senate for the last two years which is ridiculous because he's supposed to be, <laughs> I say that uh, very lightly, he's supposed to be, uh, ironically, representing Arizona. And, and it's, there's no, no, Arizona is not the most liberal state in the United States, okay? He's got a more liberal voting record than Chuck Schumer of New York. And Arizona is not more liberal than New York. So he's not representing Arizona at all for most majority of people. And so he's in trouble. He knows it. And so what he's done is he's, he's, pull, he's pulling a political stunt. He's gotten the Biden administration to go along with it. And what's interesting, and then they're making a big deal about this. And they're talking about how the Arizona border now uh, could be, uh, they're actually going to basically be building or whatever, completing the wall in, in a certain area of Arizona near Yuma, uh, which there's some open segments there that weren't completed by the end of the Trump administration. And now because he's been criticized, Mark Kelly, Democrat, Arizona, he's been criticized so heavily about border security and immigration. He's convinced the uh, Biden administration to close those gaps, at least in that section of the wall. Now, it's, it's the fact is, should the wall be completed? Yes, it was paid for. It's ridiculous. It was already paid for. The materials were there. The contractors were paid. For Biden to just shut that down is beyond ridiculous. <laughs> but, you know, and it's, of course, um, illegal immigration has been all-time highs. Um, there's no 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 if ends, or buts about that. But <laughs> this is nothing more than a political stunt. Because here's the reality. Will they actually do it? Um, there's some people, you know, that, that they're, they're making a lot of noise about this. But even the uh, how, how is it the uh, Department of Homeland Security is even saying, well, the actual construction could be months away because we got to get estimates and get first contracts and be finalized in September, maybe, and construction schedule will be, be something beyond that, and they got to do environmental planning and they've got to do the stakeholder outreach and consultation and all these other things. No, it was just making a bunch of excuses. The reality is, it was all that was already done and paid for okay and so the reality is they're just saying they're going to do it but do you really believe after all this time that they're putting off and pushing off and allowing illegal immigration at all-time records they're actually going to do anything about the border i mean if you believe that i mean i you know well there's a there's a there's a famous song that I, you know i'll sell you a was a bridge in, in arizona or something right you know i mean come on Use a little common sense, please, if you believe that the Biden administration is actually going to do anything real about the border wall, particularly when he actually pledged campaign that not another foot. I mean, he did follow through on that campaign pledge that not another foot of wall would be built during his administration. Now, he might be lying about that. He may not. I think he's just playing games, just trying to help one of their senators try to get over the finish line and get reelected. I don't think it'll help. I don't think it'll make much difference. I think most people will see through this. 
It's nothing more than a political game that they're playing, which brings up a bigger issue than, you know, and that is, I shared this a number of times before, but that, that issue is, folks, how stupid do they think we really are? Do they really, truly believe that we think, oh, they're going to build back the border now? They even say themselves, they're going to do it in a certain section, which means it's one link in the chain, and a chain is only strong as its weakest link, right? So you got openings in other parts. The, 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 the cartels, the drug runners, all the other stuff, the illegal immigrants will just go to another section. So it will, it'll make no difference overall. And, and it's, it's far to, I, I doubt that much of anything will really happen. But, you know, it's a political stunt. They think we're idiots. And my hope is in November, they're going to figure out we're not as stupid as they think we are. Contact me with yourpersonalbank.com if you want help in navigating this economic hurricane. Stay tuned. I have some final thoughts that I think you're going to like. For more information on Your Personal Bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. And, you know, I've just... Today, I didn't really have a, a, an agenda or a whole lot of things in particular that I wanted to discuss. I, I just felt like I was just kind of sharing some things more from my heart. And I, and I think it's important that I do that a um, couple of reasons. Um, well, one of them is, you know, my producers are always saying, share more personal stuff about you. People, you know, like to hear that. And, uh, you know, I tend to get focused on different things and I forget that sometimes. Uh, secondly, I came out really strong in the last show because I was really frustrated about our, our government proposing to tax, uh, tax more, you know, during a recession and during a high, you know, historic inflation highs. And, you know, at this point, again, it, at this point it still remains to be seen whether that's going to happen or not. Um, my fervent hope is it's not if, depending on when you listen to this, it might've cause already, uh, cause again, this show gets aired at different times, different stations. Um, I, you know, things are happening so quickly. Uh, it, it's, I, I've never seen anything like it. And, and I know it's intentional. I know this particular administration has a lot, a lot, a lot of things that they want to do. I mean, they talk about it openly themselves. It's not like it's a big secret. I mean, they want to fundamentally change this country. And and the reality is, I'm sorry, but I, along with the vast majority of Americans and polls and prove that out, we're just not interested in that kind of change. In fact, you know, warts and all, I mean, this country isn't perfect. I never said it was. Um, but it's better than pretty much where else are you going to go? I mean, if you, I've done some traveling. Um, not recently, of course, but um, I've done some traveling around this world and, and it's like, you know, there's some cool places to visit and neat things to see and, and interesting people to get to know and all that. But, you know, when you really boil it down to brass tacks and you start looking around, I mean, there's a not there. Where else are you going to live that's going to offer you more opportunity, more freedoms than here? And there's just not many places in this world that do. 
we are the great bastion of freedom. We are the great hope. I mean, if you go back in history a little bit, I'm, I'm kind of a history buff. You know, there was a period of time a few decades ago, and most of you listening are old enough to remember this, that, you know, communism and all that kind of stuff was definitely on the march, right? And democracies and stuff were, were very much in the minority. And then that, that changed dramatically, right? And, you know, particularly, like, say, after World War II, to where we had a renaissance of freedom and democracy uh, in, this, in the world. And now what we're seeing is through these global elitists, they have system, systematically and consistently um, done most everything they can to try to erode those freedoms, you know, and move towards uh, more totalitarian and more, um, uh, you know, communist even or socialist uh, top down control, at least big government solutions. I mean, you and you have folks like Larry Fink, the head of BlackRock, which is the largest investment firm in the, I believe, in the world, um, talking openly talking about how they prefer the Chinese communist system because communism is less messy than democracy. I mean, you, you reckon, you realize and recognize there's a real leadership void in this country, and it's it's amazing how so many people have gotten into positions of control and power, whether it's education or entertainment or government or business now even, or even military and things like that, whose, whose belief system and agenda is so diametrically opposed to what this country was founded upon and what it was built on and what it was all about and has been all about for well over 200 years. And now suddenly... It seems sudden, maybe it's not, but it sure seems like suddenly they just want to change, throw everything out. Most of it good stuff. It's like they want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay, there's a few bad things about this country that I agree could be improved, changed, of course. I mean, it's again, I said that before, it's not perfect. But, you know, there's a lot of good stuff, and then you want to throw it, again, fundamentally change it. Build back better, which means by definition, you're going to tear it down first, right? You know, our forefathers, our ancestors, our, our predecessors, you know, for generations have built a, a better country over the years, over the decades. More and more freedoms were afforded to more and more people. I mean, my daughter was working, doing a class, high school class today, talking about, you know, some of the constitutional amendments, for example. And it was interesting, and she was a little surprised even by the fact that, you know, former slaves, black, you know, black, uh, were given in, in, the, in the United States, men at least, were given the right to vote even before white women were given the right to vote. I mean, it was that right? I mean, no, of course it wasn't, okay? But those things were addressed. They were argued about. They were, you know, you had saw both sides of the argument and the right side won. Okay. It took time, you know, but eventually the women, women, for example, were given the right to vote. Okay. And they should, they should have voted. But today it's inconceivable. 
you know, why women wouldn't weren't given the right to vote, for example. But again, you have to that's living in today's world. And that's one of the problems we have right now is there's no historical perspective. Uh, I think some of it is intentional, of course, because there's folks that have agendas. But that lack of historical perspective is really, really hurting a lot of people and their and, and their understanding about why things are the way they are. So when you put, you know, again, it was a different world a hundred years ago or so. You know, women were thought of differently, okay, and what they were capable and of all that. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that was the world that people lived in at that time. And what instead of condemning you know, our ancestors, because they didn't give women the right to vote, for example, until the 1920s, right? By the way, if you go, you want to talk about places that are, uh, you know, you think about it so progressive or all this kind of stuff. You know, I was shocked when I learned, you know, places like France, women weren't given the right to vote until after World War II. Okay. So in other words, this was, it wasn't that long ago. Okay. There's been a lot of progress, if you will, and change improvements and freedoms. Okay. So instead of denigrating our ancestors, because they didn't look at the way the things look at things the way we do today, it should be celebrated that those ideas grew and flourished and more and more freedoms were given to people. Now, I think there is still some, and I know this isn't a popular thought process, but I get it. There can be too many, too much freedoms, okay? And I'm a libertarian by heart, so, I mean, that's hard for me to say. But what, what I mean by that is so for somebody to, somebody's going to vote, for example, there, in my opinion, there, there needs to be a stake. They need to have a stake in the game, if you know what I'm trying to say. In other words, originally, you had to be a landowner to vote. And it wasn't a big deal if you weren't. And back then, people didn't think of it as a big deal that you weren't given the right to vote if you didn't own land. Because the common perspective at that point is, well, why should I? I mean, I don't own land. I don't really have a stake in this. So I really shouldn't have a, a, I shouldn't have a, a say in how things go. I mean, that was the normal conventional thought process, Okay at that time. So what I'm getting at is having some kind of stake in, in this, in this system, I believe is important. And I know there are agendas and efforts to tear all that down. I think they're destructive. They're detrimental. They do nothing, but they the people do it because it benefits them by divide by dividing people. They benefit personally but in general, it, it tears down society and, and pitting people against each other, whether it's different groups, whether it's race, skin color, ec, de, you know, demographics, economic, whatever. Uh, that's ridiculous. In fact, what we need to realize, and that's one of our strengths of our country, is we have more in common than we have differences. And I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. So when I was in the army, the military, I came from a small town in Missouri. Uh, I came and got in the army right after college, went to basic training. And so I, I grew up on a horse farm and a small, in a very small, we had two, we had a red, 
It's called Peculiar Missouri. was the name of the town. And we had a red and yellow blinking light on Main and Broadway. I mean, literally. There were like five businesses in town. There was the lumber yard, the feed store, okay, that kind of thing. And that was it. I think the town had uh, 800 population, maybe, okay, something like that. And I lived five miles out of town on a gravel road, raising horses and such. So, you know, when I got in the Army, they looked at me as, you know, truly a country bumpkin, right? Um, in my county, there wasn't, in my school, there wasn't a single black family, okay? I'm not saying that's right. It's just the, what it was, the way it was at the time. And so, of course, the Army is famous for getting people to work together who have diverse backgrounds. They've always been that way. And because you want to, they want to work together as a unit. So they put me, my bunkmate and my partner, that's kind of how they set you up with, was, of course, a black guy from, from Queens, right? Queens, New York. This, I mean, the complete diametrically opposite. Uh, you know, he came from a rough part of town, right, um, to where I grew up, right? And they thought, you know, that we would have some friction. And he was really pretty hesitant at first because, you know, he called me some names that were derogatory initially. He wasn't happy about the assignment of me being his partner. But I wasn't raised that way. Even though I had not had any experience with it, I didn't, it just, I, I was completely neutral. I didn't care either way. And so I very quickly won him over. We became buddies. And, um, you know, because, and he quickly realized and found out, and he even said that, wow, we have a lot more in common than I thought. In other words, we're all human beings. And like the like in the army and the military, talk about, you know, when you get shot, everyone bleeds red, right? I mean, we all bleed the same way. So it doesn't really matter what you look like or where you come from, all right? So it's about working together. And it's those are the kind of lessons that I would like to see happen more going forward. And, um, you know, I, I believe it'll happen. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, obviously, we have the wrong leadership in charge right now. I don't think the problem is with the general the, the people, I believe the problem is with who's being elected and who's being put in charge. I believe there's tremendous levels of corruption and they and they are looking out for themselves and their own interests only. And they need to be stopped in terms of benefiting by dividing people. In other words, the people need to wise up and say, hey, enough of this. I'm not going to listen to you anymore. And I think a lot of that's happening. Dividing, dividing and conquering doesn't work. And if you want to divide and pit us against each other, I think you just should be gotten rid of. Okay? Pretty much that simple. Those are my thoughts for today. I just want to kind of share, I just kind of want to share what, you know, where I was coming from. And I am, I am encouraged again, I've said this before, by where people are coming from, the level engagement, I'm going to continue. Don't We haven't won this battle by any means, but we're dead. We haven't won this war, but we're winning the battle. So stay engaged, vote your conscious. If somebody votes for tax increases or spending more money, get rid of them. If they're not looking out for the, our best interest, get rid of them and contact me if you want to weather this financial economic storm at yourpersonalbank.com. For more information on Your Personal Bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com.
This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guest on this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Products and riders may have limitations and may not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Compare it when considering a replacement. Dividend rates and bank line of credit rates may change. Contact yourpersonalbank.com for current rates. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.